Welcome to Terror Crumbs, the Terror Show by the community for the community. I'm Amani here with Poppy and Eli. Before we get started, Terror Crumbs is for informational and educational purposes only. Nothing on this show is advised. Nothing we say is an inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy. Anything you invest is at your own risk. Do your own research and consult with professionals. We don't have a guest today. We're going back to our original format for a week. We're going to have a ton of exciting guests coming up in the in the following weeks, but I think we just couldn't make it work, right? Yeah, I mean, I will say that in the next three weeks, we do have a guest who's going to come on whose name rhymes with Smitus. Um, so I don't know if that gives you a hint of who it is. He's That's the German guy, right? Is Smitus? that the German yeah. content producer? Uh, okay, A popular German pop artist. Um, in his past. Um, so, Eli, I see that one of your gifts has arrived. Yes. Yes. And it's mind blowing. <laughs> so, for those of you who are listening, he received the fireplace. It's oh, it's probably worth if you're a podcast listener. It's probably worth at this point just checking out the YouTube stream and 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 taking a look at what we've done for Eli's room. It's going to get even better over the next couple of weeks. I kind of like the pink. I would go with yeah, the pink. I like the color coding there. It's, it's... Yeah, actually, I don't dislike it. I do have a popcorn machine right beside me, but uh, it's kind of really big and probably going to record unboxing it. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. That's amazing. Uh, Poppy, how's the weather in Canada? Uh, you know, we had a couple warm days in Canada today, but it's it's pretty cold this week. Looks like we're going to get some snow. Uh, we'll see. Be, be safe up there. So, so what are we talking about today? What's what's the plan? We I don't know what to do without it without a guest. Um, All right, how's it going, Where are you from? What's your social security number? And where can I find you on weekdays? Uh, I I don't want to answer these questions. Back to you, Chris. Um, Thanks for that setup. Um, all right, number one, look. We got a dip on Luna. What what are we at right now, guys? Is it right? It was around eighty last time I looked. Is it still there? No, Asia woke up and they were bearish. We're down to seventy six right now. Bastards. Okay, so you know one thing. I think the interesting thing on 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 Luna Twitter or Terra Twitter um, during these little dips and when, when Terra, when Luna goes down in prices, everyone still gets kind of excited because people are making money and buying um, Luna on the cheap using Kajira protocol. And I think Poppy, you're one of those people this week. Um, well, yeah, so there's, we, we were actually up at 3am yesterday, um, just kind of shooting the shit myself, c Hutch, and we had like 100 people in our Twitter spaces. And we were just kind of getting into the weeds on different Kujira strategies. But um, yeah, the, uh, the, uh, the, the liquidations yesterday, they were flowing. Um, I know a lot of people were getting, uh, getting Luna or B Luna for like $70, $72, which is a pretty decent price. It was like 3% premium or discount. Um, you know, there's some BE liquidations that went through for like 3,200. What's really interesting is, um, you know, usually when these liquidation events occur, the spread between Luna and B Luna is usually pretty wide, meaning it's like not profitable to you know uh, liquidate B Luna and then sell it on the market because there's there's a higher spread there. 
Um, but the spread has been really tight lately. So there is opportunities to kind of recycle your liquidation profits back into the liquidation queue. Um, which is kind of an interesting strategy because you could argue, you know, it's detrimental because you're selling Luna. But at the same time, it, if you're looping that liquidation, you're, you're also providing uh, lower bids in the Kujira market, which is better for people getting liquidated. Um, so so talk, talk through that a little bit, because admittedly, Kujira is one of those things that I need to focus on. Everyone tells me I should have UST bids on there. I don't have any time to do it and I'm not capable of actually keeping any UST. I have, I'm like always fully invested. So the, the idea here is that the community can help um, with anchor liquidations, but what, like when you talk about strategies, what does that look like? Do you go in and you set like targets for, for where you want to grab the Luna? Yeah. So, so first off, I mean, if you haven't used Kajira, I would encourage everyone to take a look at it, play around with it. It's, it's a really cool platform. It's not just for, you know, uh, you know, DeFi experts. It's, it's really for everyone. It's pretty easy to use. And basically the way it works is if you have UST or AUST, you can place a bid on Kujira. And so you would deposit, you know, a thousand dollars a UST or whatever, um, you can either do that in the BLUNA or BETH liquidation pool. Um, and then basically you set a bid price and not specifically a price, but a uh, liquidation uh, premium in which you want to liquidate people. And it's competitive. So uh, if you go on the Kajira website, you'll see that it'll actually tell you what the liquidation queues are. So it'll say that there's, you know, $100,000 that are bidding with a 3% premium or, or discount. And then there's, you know, like $10 million that are bidding with a 10% discount. Um, so you, you decide the discount in which you want to fill liquidations when you deposit on Kajira. And it's, 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 it's as simple as like a limit order on, you know, KuCoin or any exchange. And so wouldn't everyone who has a lower discount than you, so let's say you set it at 10, right? You want to get, you want to, you're willing to buy at a 10% discount. Does it have to clear the entire queue in front of you first before you get that? Correct. So it would have to fill the, the bids that are at a lesser discount um, before it gets to your 10% bid. And Got so it. it's competitive, okay. and the person who benefits on the other end is the people getting liquidated because they get liquidated at a less of a premium as opposed to, you know, it's always 10% or it's always 15%, which is the case with, with other lending markets. Yeah, so it's kind of a win-win, right? So you might get, in this case, you might get liquidated at a lower discount than you would otherwise because it's so many people are competing for that liquidation. Right. And where I think it's like really innovative and like when you compare it to like other lending markets um, there, I, I personally haven't seen other liquidation queue mechanisms like this. It, it might be a first of its of its kind. I, I don't know. I haven't done a whole lot of research on this, but this is the first time I've seen something like this. I mean, if you look at compound protocol or cream or some of those <laughs> other lending markets, the, the way their liquidations work is basically anyone can can liquidate anyone else. And there's always a fixed premium or spread um, for the people uh, making the liquidation. And so usually who gets those liquidations are the ones running bots or the ones, you know, paying, uh, you know, block miners incentives for their liquidation to go through before everyone else. And so it becomes kind of like this dirty, you know, uh, front running game, uh, whereas the Kujira model, anyone can participate. It's much more decentralized. 
Um, and you basically have these order books that are on standby to fill liquidations when it gets to that threshold. Interesting. So what, what would keep Kujira from doing something like this on a compound? Is there some fundamental difference between how Anchor operates on liquidations and how like an Ave or compound operates that, that where we couldn't take like that someone hasn't done this before? I mean, I think there would need to be like development efforts and that kind of stuff. No. Um, and then you also have, you know, some sort of keeper that's going on in the background that's actually executing the liquidations. Um, it's cheap to do on Terra, but might not be as feasible on Ethereum. So I think there's, you know, maybe some some infrastructure things that have to do with the specific blockchain technology that would need to be implemented. But I don't think it's like unfeasible. Like, I think it could be done. There's just development effort involved. Eli, what do you think? Right now. What's what that? I, I think I should be taking notes right now. You should be taking notes. Just writing, yep. writing all this all this stuff down. So I'm just gonna take a shot at this just to see if I'm like close to right. So essentially you're putting bids up to buy people getting liquidated, like buy the Luna that's getting liquidated. Basically, uh, you're putting up a bid that is going to liquidate a position that goes underwater. And your bid, what you define in the bid is the discount in which you're willing to to buy that liquidated Luna. So essentially, you're like a like a bondsman almost. Like you, I'll pick up the debt of this bond, right? Similar. Uh, I don't know if I would compare it to bonds. Um, I mean, it's more like you're insuring debt in a way, but it, it's not so much like insurance. I, I don't think you could even call it insurance. Um, okay. Yeah. It, you're participating in decentralized liquidations. I think that's the best way to put it. So if you like, so we're we're in a bear market right now. If it's not a bear market, is Kujira still like working well, or does that like become less like functional? So there's less liquidations going through if the market's going up. There's probably no liquidations going through, and on a day where the market only goes up, um, so you need some sort of market turmoil in order for liquidations to be filled on Kujira. So uh, I. <sighs> I wouldn't say, you know, this is a bear market versus a bull market. I don't really want to get into that. I was um, just about to say, I was like, are, it was Eli calling this a bear market? Are you, <laughs> are you calling this a downtrend? I um, mean, not forever, right? I mean, I mean, if, if, if it's forever, it might be a, I'm screwed forever, but. Not I mean, forever. Maybe it's like a weak bear market, if that's possible. Yeah. To me, it looks a little bit more like a correction than a bear market. Honestly, like the the current market conditions, in my perspective, I think long term, like in the next six months, there could potentially be more turmoil around the Fed and and all that. I, I just think like the market reacting to that kind of stuff. Um, but I think it's just going to be like the market reacting and then it's going to recover. It's going to be like every time the Fed has announced over the past month that they're going to, you know, taper sooner or whatever. You know, they've done it three times over the past month. And every time the market dips, just like it did, you know, yesterday. So it's kind of like it's getting old. <laughs> um, you know, like, let's let's just taper and see what happens. Like, uh, you think like some of this shit's priced in at this point. If I was to get involved in this, like right now, that would be a good idea, right? But if I waited too long, like it would be kind of redundant, right? Well, you know, a Asia is more bearish than they are bullish. So one strategy you could take if you assume that Asia is going to have a sell-off every day when they wake up, which is not always true, but it's mostly true. Um, you could put your you know, Kujira bids in, you know, at like 6 p.m. at night. And, you know, if you have something better to do with that UST, you could pull it out the next day and deploy it wherever you're going to deploy it. 
Um, or, yeah, the cool thing about the cool thing about Kujira is there's really not a ton of risk, right? You're, if you have idle, you know, US dollars sitting around, put them in UST, put them on here, and you can gauge what level of discount you're willing to buy. Now, the only risk would be, say, say you're willing to pick up a liquidation at a 4% discount. And then by the time you go in and look, it's down 10%. And so you took a loss, even though you bought it at a discount. But you could always just have UST sitting around waiting for a moonshot liquidation, right? Where you get where you get something at a 10% discount or something like that, that that's almost like free money. Oh, yeah. And with the, the ability to deposit AUST, it makes it much more attractive. Although, you know, with Abracadabra and leverage AUST, you know, there is some uh, potential uh, opportunity loss or opportunity cost. Um, but yeah. I didn't realize you could use AUST on Kujira. That's brilliant. It's a new feature and probably just added. Wow. Okay. So you so what that means basically is um you can essentially put your money in anchor, earn your 20% and then also let it ride in Kujira looking for these liquidation opportunities. So there's not even an opportunity cost. Um or the opportunity cost is anything you think you would make over the 20% anchor return. Basically. Say so so you just mentioned something that's pretty interesting. We we spoke about this on our first show. That is the MEM degen box strategy, which is the looping of AUST so that you can take a 20% um, anchor return and spin it up to you know, well over 100%. Have you gotten in on that? I, I would love to take advantage of it, but it seems like it gets released and then it gets used up in, in, in a matter of minutes. I've never been able to get in on that strategy. So I can speak to that a little bit. It's it's actually not too hard to get into. Uh, if you're following mem replenishments and you have your alerts set, you know, for that uh, Twitter profile, uh, you'll generally catch them. Usually, it it sells out uh, in about thirty minutes, up to an hour. It's it's not instant like it like it was originally. Um, now, as far as was it a good decision? Is it a good investment? Um, yes. Right, so. As for uh, whether or not Abracadabra is a good strategy or not, um, what I wish I knew getting into it is you are paying some fees up front, which I believe is about 2%. Um, and then you're also paying, uh, you know, there, there's a little bit of spread, especially when you have a larger leveraged position. If you're doing like a 7x on like a five figure uh, deposit, um, there's going to be some spread there as well. So for me, uh, I've been in the pool for almost a month now and it's maybe just broken even. Well, I didn't, I didn't realize that. So I understand the fees up front, but I didn't understand that there was a spread on it. So, so it needs to be kind of like a long-term commitment. Uh, at least a month. Um, but I would plan for like, you know, three to six months. Uh, and you're also paying, you know, like $400 in gas on Ethereum, which is just just getting absurd the ethereum gas thing is getting absurd and like i haven't even the amount of money i spend on ethereum gas like if i were it's almost like because you're on crypto you, it doesn't count you know like it's not real money but i have not it's more than i spend on actual gas Celine <laughs> to go places and i travel to the mountains almost every weekend um 
But no, so that's good. That it's it's good to know that there are some things you have to consider with that strategy. It's not just you know 100 out of the gate. What are some of the? So I found some interesting, um, some interesting strategies as well. I don't know if we should should, should we go through a couple of them. We haven't talked we haven't talked about how to make money on this show in a while. We've been doing more uh, community stuff. Let's do it to it. So one opportunity I found, I was digging around on Harmony, and I think a lot of people who are in the Terra ecosystem might know about Harmony through DeFi Kingdoms. Um, when Joe was on the show, she spoke about that game slash farming app. I don't know exactly what DeFi Kingdoms is. Um, so I was playing around trying to learn more about Harmony because I keep hearing about it. And there's a great farming opportunity for Luna on the Harmony network. So let me share my screen here. If you go to viper.exchange, that is a DEX on the Harmony network. And you know, right now you can get, um, there are some, some good farming opportunities. One of them is with the Harmony One token and Luna. So if you see here, um, this is a DEX on Harmony One. Um, the pool for Luna one token here, 382% APR. Have you guys played around with Harmony at all? I have not bridged over to Harmony yet, but this this might be enough to to get me to try it out. <laughs> yeah, it's it was an absolute headache to get there. So you can buy one token on KuCoin and then you have to go to, you'll have to YouTube this. You have to go to a special website where you convert your Ethereum address to a Harmony One address, withdraw to that address. It'll show up in your Ethereum wallet on MetaMask. And then for Luna, you have to use the Terra Bridge to get, to get your Luna over to the Harmony network as well. But once I figured out how to do all of that, um, yeah, some, some juicy APRs here. Um, the other one, have you guys done much with osmosis? Uh, that's another one I haven't touched. So that's another one where, you know, there are some good opportunities. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna connect my wallet here, but you know, osmos is a great token. Osmo is a great token. I think, you know, if, if there's going to be a DEX on cosmos, it's shaping up to be the one, um, to be part of. And let me find the uh, Luna Osmo pool. Yeah, here it is. So with 14 days of bonding, if you're providing liquidity for Luna and Osmo token, it's 121% APR. And I've been going in, it's super cheap to auto compound this or not auto compound it, but just to come in here and, and compound it on a weekly basis. So you know, that's another one. Those are the two that I'm most focused on right now. I know that all the buzz was around Astroport, but between like between you know the Viper Exchange with the one token and this Osmo pool, um, that's kind of like the number one strategy I'm going after. So what else? Uh, you guys seeing anything? Yeah. So for Osmosis, I think I've looked at Osmo, um, and I have some Atom that I haven't really done anything with. Um, but the thing that kind of turned me off with Osmo and, and I, I didn't get too far into it, but correct me if I'm wrong, the, the rewards token that you're, you're getting for LPing on Osmo is Osmo token. Correct. correct. You're getting the Osmo token. Yeah. See, I, I think it's actually quite risky to yield farm on a DEX 
using the farm token as one of the pairs in the um in the LP pool because Ooh, then you have okay. a permanent loss. What is a dex? <laughs> uh, all right. Let's get into this, Eli. So right, yeah, let's go. Let's do it. People want us to get into it. So let's go. Right. Into, yeah. Yeah, we're getting into it. So a, uh, a dex is a decentralized exchange that operates um, either peer-to-peer or in most cases, and what we're used to seeing, is uh, peer-to-contract, where uh, the individual is interacting with a smart contract and the smart contract is executing the trades in a decentralized, trustless manner. Um, so in a uh, DEX or decentralized exchange, you have different actors. Um, you have liquidity providers who provide liquidity in the form of um, basically in a, in a DEX, it uses a different model of liquidity than you're used to typically seeing, uh, like in, for example, the stock market. And, and I, I, there are some exceptions to this. There are some like order book DEXs, um, but you don't typically see that kind of stuff. Um, so, so basically they operate with an AMM pool where you basically, or to, to simplify it is you deposit two sides of an asset pair into an LP token or into an LP pool and you receive an LP token as kind of a, uh, receipt of deposit. Um, and then you take that LP token in, in the, uh, case of farming and you deposit it into a, a staking farm, then you earn uh, yield and, and that's, uh, used to, uh, kind of incentivize uh, liquidity for an exchange that is just launching, which is most DEXs out there. there there's different different skins and flavors to this, but that's kind of the general idea. You know, the great thing the great thing I think about these, and I don't know how long this is going to last, is as these DEXs get more and more complex. You know, the ability for users to provide liquidity it, it's going to become harder and harder, unless someone extracts away the complexity of it, but you know, the, the cool thing about it is you can own some of these tokens and then you can also earn yield on them while they're idle for you um, by providing liquidity. And, and there are some risks to that, like you could potentially lose out on upside. Um, and I think you were going to talk about one of them, Poppy. I, I was very curious to hear. So in the case of Osmo, I'm providing liquidity for an Osmo Luna pair and I'm getting paid for that in Osmo. Um, what was the, like, what makes you nervous about that? Well, for all of the other farms on osmosis, they're also being paid in Osmo. Um, and a lot of people yield farming are, you know, they're not in it to get the governance token or to have ownership over the protocol. They're in it to, to get that hundred and whatever percent APR. And so they're going to take their Osmo token and they're going to sell it. Um, and so when you're holding Osmo as part of your LP pair, um, you have some price exposure to Osmo, um, which means you have price exposure and impermanent loss exposure as well. Yeah, and it's a good point, right? Because if you're, so I provide liquidity on Sushi as well on Ethereum, and I don't want exposure to the Sushi token because it's so inflationary to... Because it's it's incentivizing all of these liquidity pairs. But fortunately, whenever I'm putting a token on Sushi, I, my pair that I'm against is ETH, right? So I have ETH exposure and whatever token it is that I'm providing liquidity for, and I don't have to worry about that. What you're saying is the other side of my Luna pool is Osmo, and Osmo is also you know being um, inflated away to provide incentive. So there's like downward price pressure on Osmo. 
Basically, yeah. So, I mean, like, if I were looking at these two yield opportunities, um, I would probably take preference over the, the one on Viper, uh, where you're holding one token and Luna token, and you're getting rewarded in Viper or whatever the exchange token is. Yeah, it's a good point. I still, I think fundamentally with Osmo, I'm comfortable holding that token as the other side of this trade. And obviously, like I'm doing this with a portion of my Luna. I would never want to have an equal amount of Osmo and Luna because I believe in Luna, you know, 10 times more. Um, but I'm actually comfortable owning a portion of Osmo anyway because I think they're kind of like the leading. I mean, honestly, right now, you would have thought that Adam would capture the most value from the Cosmos ecosystem. Right now, Osmo is capturing. Um, it seems like Osmo is actually picking up more value. Nobody's using the gravity decks until until like Adam has a use case, which you know I think is supposed to be shared security at some point. You know, Osmos is Osmo. The Osmo token to me is almost like a hedge on that Cosmo ecosystem for the Adam that I hold. Do you do you do you do Adam as well, Poppy? Um, we'll see with both Osmo and Adam, I have not gone deep into tokenomics and so I, I can't really speak to that. Um, there, there are certainly not investments that I could, you know, confidently vouch for or, you know, go the other direction. Um, and, and none of us could vouch for any investments because we don't make investment advice too. So that's just a great reminder as well. Now it's, it's, it's good though. One of the things I think, gosh, this is like a whole nother um conversation that we could get into someday is just the shifting dynamics of all of these DeFi tokens and the token and tokenomics around it and you're seeing some of that with astro with the and you're seeing it with almost every new protocol right with like the v tokens uh the vested tokens and, and there's a lot of innovation happening with like these newer DeFi implementations versus the older ones that that have really struggled right like if you go look at like the blue chip DeFi tokens and Ethereum, um, they're not doing well, whether it's Sushi, Aave, Compound. Um, but there are these new concepts that have been introduced, like these vesting tokens that boost rewards. And Astro did a good job of this, of, of implementing these mechanics. Um, and I think probably eventually you're going to need to see something similar on Osmo. Well, I think like in general, this this whole space is is constantly evolving, and it, we're it, everything we interact with in DeFi is an experiment. Like nothing is like solidified. Maybe Bitcoin. Okay, Bitcoin's not going to change, or maybe it will. I don't know. <laughs> maybe we'll find out that we can't have a cap supply. <laughs> uh, maybe uh, I think we'll all be dead by that point, probably. But yeah. <laughs> And not to like fud my own bags here, but you, you even see that with like Mirror and Anchor. I, I mean, the buyback model isn't as sustainable as initially thought, and especially when you know uh, volumes go down and there isn't a whole lot of user activity. You know, how do you encourage loyal users to use the protocol and make decisions on on behalf of the protocol? Um, how do you do that in, in a way that's productive? And I, I think vesting tokens in a protocol for a significant period of time, whether one year to five years or whatever, it is a way to do that, especially when it comes to participating in governance. Uh, I think Mirror is a good example of governance uh, failure. I, I mean, I'm not going to say complete failure. We, we had some issues with Mirror and we're adjusting some of the parameters that are going to mitigate most of it. Um, but I don't know if you guys were following, but over Christmas, there was a air quoting here, governance attack, where someone went through and they were just spamming governance proposals on Mirror 
and trying to get the community to vote yes on a proposal that would give some random wallet, you know, like half of the community supply. And there was like 30 proposals. It was fucking ridiculous. Yeah, um, first of all, that wasn't a random wallet. And Poppy, I was going to burn at least half of that. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 I saw that. I saw that for sure. It was kind of terrifying how close it came. To being a reality. What, what I actually think happened there is I think this person bought Mirror Token to bolster a vote on their phony proposals to make people who don't actually read the proposal and don't put any thought into voting to just vote yes, because that's what everyone else does. Um, and, and I think it represents a failure in governance in the, in the model that Mirror has adopted. And I'm not going to be too critical here. We're all experimenting. We're, we're learning. Um, but I do think like there's, there needs to be some work done there um, where if you're incentivizing people to vote, they're just going to vote on everything. And there's no disincentive to vote wrong. So, you know, it's, it's going to end up in this scenario where everyone votes yes or everyone votes no. And some people write bots to vote. Yeah, well, I mean, there's there's ultimately a disincentive to vote wrong because if you own the token, right? Because if you own the token in theory and you vote wrong, you're you are um, you know you're you're voting against your own interests. It's not in your interest to give away that much mirror to a random wallet that's not going to burn it. So there's some like if you're if you're a mirror holder, it's just are these things big enough to where anyone's going to notice? Well, so that's where I think a vesting model is would work a lot better here because there there is way more skin in the game if you can't withdraw your mirror token for a year as opposed to, oh, after I vote, I can withdraw as soon as the vote goes through. Agreed on that. So do you guys want to go kind of more into governance proposal type stuff? Um, I think that's a pretty good segue. What do you have in mind, Eli? Okay, so I was thinking about this proposal I saw by LunaFest, which I thought. So I read the I read the proposal, and I didn't really see. I noticed it didn't really seem like there was anything that like actually would benefit me. I was like, oh, cool, like a, a festival could be the next fire festival. Doesn't have to be. This is this is my thought. It got voted down. I'm pretty sure. I don't think it went through. And I I do genuinely think that probably was the right direction to go. You just don't hear about a lot of things getting government funding. It's hard to get money out of the community fund, and it should be hard to get money out of the community fund. It should only go to... So number one, I think... I, I have tons of thoughts on this. I know, Poppy, you do too. Like, when you say... When you say, Eli, it's the right decision, I mean, I think... It is the right decision because the community votes and that's, you know, the stakeholders in the in the ecosystem vote. And so if they vote against it, um, that means that the people who own Luna um, don't agree with it. I I was skeptical of it at first. I actually met with the team um, to try to learn more about it. I think I think where where that proposal could have done better. And I promise I'm not going to go too long on this before I give it to Poppy. Look, I think I think their intentions were good. Number one, the first thing was it initially got a bunch of no votes with veto. And for people who under who don't understand this, it's important that you do. If you vote just no, the thing won't pass. And but the people who put the deposit in will at least get their Luna back. If you vote no with with veto, they also don't get their Luna back. So I think. Maybe the first question we should ask is, should it have been a no or a no with veto? I think the people who were, were putting the proposal up were genuine people who want to do something good for the ecosystem. And you can have a valid argument about whether or not that's a good use of community funds. 
but it, it, it was definitely a proposal. And, you know, a lot of people went back in and changed their vote to no. Um, and, and they got their, their deposit back to me, that was at least the proper outcome at a minimum. I don't know what you guys think. I mean, voting no with veto and it's not a scam. Isn't that like pretty malicious? Like, I would say that's, I, I, I mean, like, we're not going to like go after people who vote no with veto, but it, it sucks and it discourages voting or it discourages people putting up proposals in the first place. Um, so it's, it's not a good practice for a productive community governance. Yeah. Yeah. And here's the and, thing though, then, is like, I don't know shit, but I do know that you got to spend money to make money. So we got to put it somewhere like, like well, someone needs to get funded. And so I think the question the Luna, the Luna Fest guys had was, well, ever all of us, nobody wanted to do, everyone thought it was a, a poor use of funds to throw a party. And but they didn't think that when TFI Alpha got their grant, right? So, mm-hmm. so maybe we'll start there. What's it, what's the difference between what LunaFest was trying to do and what TFI Alpha did? Well, TFI Alpha proved themselves, and they threw an event before before asking for any sort of funding. And I believe TFL, you know, provided some sort of funding there as well. Um, but they they really proved themselves in in throwing a, a a relatively successful event in New York prior to asking for that proposal. Um, that I, I I think that's a big deal. And you know to take that a little bit further, uh, they weren't charging for tickets at the door, at least as far as I know. But to be yeah. honest, I just yeah I I mean so this is a completely different event. And I would also take a step back, like T Phi Alpha has a general focus on the Luna community and creating an event for, for the Luna community to uh, a get together. It, it's nothing too crazy. I mean, it's a nice venue, there's good food, there's alcohol and there's, you know, a, a cool venue, but it's not like over the top, you know, hiring, you know, these big bands and all that stuff. Um, so my question for LunaFest, and maybe Chris, you can kind of provide some of your uh, thoughts on this, is what value does it bring to the Luna community? Is it, is it just another get together? Is it another, uh, you know, grant that's going to fund TFI Alpha events? And, and do we need more of those as a community? Like, what value does that bring to the, to the ecosystem? Yeah, I don't want to speak on behalf of the team, but here's, here's what I would say this is my opinion in favor of what they wanted to do. And then here's how I would have tweaked it to make it more valuable for the community. So um, the, in the current state that they proposed it, I think it was, I think their intention was just to bring attention to Luna and to UST. And, and we can argue whether a party is the best way to do that. And I think whether a party on that scale was just too big out of the gates, right? So I, I get what you're saying, right? Like TFI Alpha, TFI Alpha proved it in New York. It was not even a modestly successful event. It was an incredibly successful event. You know, I thought it, they, they did a great job. Um, and the same people who did TFI Alpha did all of the, the pre-show in Portugal. And, and so they had a track record. And, you know, this LunaFest was incredibly ambitious. And, and anytime you do something that ambitious, it's also risky. So that's point taken. I think they were trying to bring attention to Luna, uh, create something the community could be proud of. I think there are ways that it could have been tweaked to, to generate more measurable outcomes. You know, what is the, could you tie in, you know, like what could you do to attract developers to that party, right? 
could you do quote unquote, like developer scholarships where you go to local universities and so it becomes not only a party, but a way to educate the people that we need most in the community, developers, to start building on it, right? Or there are other things you could do to make it, make it a net positive for the ecosystem versus, you know, just a big party. And I think that's where, uh, maybe that's where a revised version of that could be more successful. Yeah, it just it wasn't clear like where it was being targeted. Was it being targeted like at new user acquisitions? Was it being targeted towards existing lunatics? Like it, it just it wasn't exactly clear. Yeah, and and I agree. Like, what is your success metric, right? If you want the money, you know, anytime you go to to a venture capitalist or anyone else and ask for money, they're going to ask you, uh, you know, how you measure success. What is the outcome you're trying to produce? And and I think it it was probably a little loose from that perspective, right? I think everyone gets the idea that generating buzz for Terra is good. I, It's more controversial um, on whether this is the right way to do it or whether this generates enough return for the investment. And then I think there were also just some, some tactical things um, that were problematic, like no multi-sig, right? So... <laughs> It, it was it was ultimately meant to be a lossless investment, right? So it's just an opportunity cost of money that's going to be sitting there anyway. Take two million out, put it in an anchor, and then put two million back in. But in reality, it was send two million of uh, send two million to a single address with no oversight, and then send it back in. And while I think you know the guys who are running it are they dox themselves, they're trustworthy. Um, you know, I think next time someone tries to do something like that, even if it's a lossless investment, there needs to be some, some version of a multi-sig with community oversight on it. Yeah, for sure. That should, that should generally be considered best practices when managing any sizable amount of funds, especially community funds. I th hopefully that'll be easier. I think Apollo is coming out with their multi-sig soon. I don't think a lot of people realize that there's even a, a way to do a multi-sig on, on Terra right now. I know there is. I think it's it's like technical though. It's not too bad. Multi-sig.money. If if you are willing, you can figure it out. Um. So I think you know one of the things I've wanted to do is I would love to do like a, a TerraCrumb special on the community fund. Cause I still believe this is our most underutilized asset. Uh, there was another thread that went out today. Um, I don't know if you guys saw it. It was from, um, all right. So this is from uh, Emery Akato, unpopular opinion, find product market fit before launching a token. And then a uh, follow-up thread or follow-up tweet. What good is your token if you can't do anything with it? And I think this is something we see in Terra right now, right? Like all of these tokens pump on the excitement and then there's not like an actual use case for it. And then it tanks and then there's disillusionment. And I think he's onto something. And, and my follow-up tweet to him was, you know, even more popular, unpopular opinion, you know, let's use our massive community fund to help these teams bootstrap themselves so they don't have to launch a token too early. And I just think it's a shame that we're not making better use of that fund. And obviously we don't, we, we want to only fund people who are serious. Um, and I don't know the answer, but frankly, I think we're not, we're not doing enough. And I don't know. Like I said, I don't know what the answer is, but I, I hope we can all do better at, at using that fund to help get these projects off the ground and, and start driving value for the community. 
so and, I, and for, for Terra overall. I, I think that's kind of a rabbit hole we could kind of get down. I mean, <clears throat> how do you feel? So we, we have examples of that, Chris. And if you go back to um, the early days of Loterra, um, I believe they were funded. The development of Loterra was funded under a community grant. Um, and in addition to that, they also have a token and they also have developer allocations for that token. Um, and then that team came back like, I don't know, like five months later and they were like, oh, we got a new idea and we want funding for this project as well. So like, at what point do you, you know, cut off the teat and, you know, stop funding these projects where they have their own team capital and perhaps because they're being funded by the community, they're not utilizing that team capital in a way that's productive for the protocol. Yeah. I mean, I think you, I, I don't think, yeah, in that, in that scenario, I don't know if you can take it case by case, but yeah, they shouldn't be coming back looking for more. Um, unless, you know, I mean, unless they've got another good idea that the community thinks is valuable, I guess what's wrong with that. Right. If, so if they're I, a team I, that can execute, if they can execute on a vision and, and the community thinks that what they're going to build is, is moves the needle for Terra, maybe it doesn't matter. I think there could be a case made for like public good projects, but you'll, you'll have a hard time convincing me that a lottery platform is a public good project. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how the lottery platform got the community grant in the first place. Um, but, you know, I don't know what, like, their their next idea was. It was Altered Protocol. What is Altered Protocol? <laughs> Fucking train wreck. <laughs> <laughs> Put a quarter in your ass, because you played yourself. <laughs> um, no, yeah, we could just, just shout out some of these real quick to end it. Are you guys cool with that? Sure. Uh, yeah, sure. Do it. Run okay, through Cool. So really quickly before we outro, I'm just going to read a few of our YouTube comments because, you know, we care and we love we love seeing you guys. Uh, we had a comment from White Jazz. No, wait, White Jizz? No, White Jazz. My bad. Um, <laughs> uh, he said, I thought this was a commentary on Binance listing. The show was boring on wheels. I have one thing to say to you, White Jizz. I hope you sleep well at night. Um, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> We wish you the best here at, at Terra Crumbs, uh, YG is, so have a good life. Um, comment if you keep commenting if you like, but it will just it'll be like a reoccurring thing with just you and I. Um, then there's one that said, We love Eli. I'm not mad about that. I love. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I think that, that's all I have. Just wanted to throw those out there. No, uh, John Pavone wants you to add <laughs> you guys time stamps. John Pavone wants you to add timestamps. Oh shit! Yeah, my bad. Yeah, skip, my bad. We skip. Um, we skip that comment John for Pavone. a reason. Are you good? <laughs> okay. Hey, thanks for watching. Uh, please like, subscribe. Uh, if this video gets a thousand likes, I'll get a Luna tattoo on my leg. Um, just throwing <laughs> that out there. Uh, please leave us a comment. Leave us some feedback. Tweet at us. Follow us. Uh, have a great day. We love you.